Here is the planet's ultimate game. There may well be a storm brewing here tonight in many senses. What can happen today, we wonder. Yes, indeed, it is time for another episode of Dissecting the Pitch here on BlazeRadioOnline.com, as well as our Apple and Spotify podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Gareth Kwok, and I'm alongside my co-hosts, Edwin Perez and Miller McKaney. Gentlemen, how are you both doing? It's, it's truly a pleasure. I mean, today is a special episode, you know, truly is. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intro it off, you know. I was disallowed. I was offside in the first place, but I am going to intro it now. I'm going to kick it off in style. We're not creative enough. We're not positive enough. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Football's coming home. That's right. I scoured the earth. I was looking for, you know, Academy sign. You know, one of those up-and-coming world stars that's going to kill the world. You know, he's good up-and-coming soccer reporter you know a great friend of mine he great soccer analyst I mean he knows Leeds better than anyone I know I mean truly and finally a, another man who knows England as well as I know soccer so I got the best man for the job Jerry Walker we gotta start off how are you doing Jerry and uh, I'm doing good thanks for having me on I'm really excited to be here and let's yeah let's do it that's right sorry Miller I, I had to cut off your intro but you know you can now you know you can an- answer your usual question now uh, Howdy, y'all. Uh, you know, That's what I'll say. That's what I'll say. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry, uh, he's a, as Edwin said, he's a good friend of ours. He uh, he covered the uh, ASU women's soccer team for Inferno Intel last fall. So he he brings in a lot of good expertise. Of course, he's a big, probably the one of the other other probably the other big soccer fan we know around here. Maybe the other other one we got, but. Uh, we're going to have ourselves a great show. We're going to be talking Champions League match day one. We're going to be talking European Super League, this bombshell that's been coming out. What is this? Get our takeaways from that. Our Premier League reaction from the weekend as usual. And then, of course, Jerry's going to give us a lowdown on the future of England, the national football team. What are they? Uh, what are their futures and their prospects looking like for 2021, the Euros and beyond? Uh, so, but let's get started, boys, with some Champions League match day one reaction. Of course, the first slate of Champions League in the books Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, let's uh, let's begin with probably one of the most entertaining matches uh, of this week on uh, Tuesday. PSG Manchester United. United pulls out the two to one victory over PSG. Uh, and how much of a, you know, I'll start with you, Miller, first. How big of a victory was this for, for Manchester United over PSG? Uh, well, Gareth, I'm going to let you know this was definitely the biggest game of the year so far for United. Um, obviously, the last time that they played PSG in Paris was two years ago and the round of 16 for Champions League. So it was a big game, for I think, for both teams, uh, especially since United eliminated PSG the last time they met up in this stage. So I think that um, 
I think that it was a really big game for United in the sense that, you know, they haven't been playing well uh, recently uh, since the start of the Premier League on the quick turnaround from last season. And I think that, you know, with Harry Maguire being gone and, you know, a couple other players that are kind of fitting into the squad because they've just joined the team, I think that this was a really big statement game. And I think that there was a lot of good things that came out of it for United, but I think PSG have a little bit more to be disappointed about. No, I, you know, something I told you after this match that I was excited to talk to you about is that I think, like you said, right there was very important is that you guys weren't playing well. I, don't, I think also PSG has not been performing well. You, if you see how PSG started off this year in Ligue 1, it, it, it's not been the ideal start for them. I mean, they've struggled a little bit. I think those players have not been as sharp as, as they are. And I think you saw a tired Neymar have that international break. I think all those games have been tired and traveling from South America and things like that. So I don't think we saw a dynamic Neymar and dynamic Moffitt. But it could be said on the other side, you know. We didn't see – Pogba come in too late. We didn't see him at all. And obviously, Telus played in a in an interesting role that was, um, I mean, it worked out in a sense, but also it was kind of strange because, I mean, you typically see him more playing that uh, in that back. So I think both these teams are going to perform better, but you got to give the advantage for Man United because, I mean, he, they did get the three points here. So it's just a huge win for them. And, you know, it, it sets the, uh, the tone for the group because I think those two are going to be the ones who leave the group. And this may be the one thing that's going to get them to uh, be the first, you know, number one on top. So I think it was a great result for Man United at the end of it. United gets the 2-1 win and they get the the big three points. I mean, I'll ask a follow-up question for any of you all to, to answer is, yes, PSG, you know, wasn't their, wasn't their best performance, of course. And United, they got the the Bruno Fernandez, the penalty and Rashford, the late winner in the 87th minute. Is, is it concerning for PSG or just not, is it just, a bit of an overreaction, of course, not a problem for at all for Tuchel. Oh, Miller, you, you're going. You, uh, yeah, I want to go. I want to go first. All know. right, and then we'll let Jay go. Right. Okay, sorry. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that I could say about this game, and I'm trying not to just kind of, you know, just vomit word from words from my mouth left and right. But I, I think that this was one of those games where PSG. I've said it so many times. They just they don't have any midfielders that are com, com, like, I guess comparable to world class other midfielders on other teams that can control the game. So I think that the biggest problem for PSG is still in the middle of the field. Obviously, they didn't get to play guys like Verratti or you know, um, they've got some other guys that they can come off the bench and play well. Um, but I don't think that they have anybody at that team that's head and shoulders above uh, anybody else. So I think it's a lot of the same uh, quality playing in the midfield. And I think that's been a really big problem for them. So I think that when they do play bigger teams, uh, obviously the Bayern Munichs of the world, the Manchester United's of the world that they've recently lost to, I think that's one area that's definitely hurting them right now. So I think that if there's anything that they can turn and point a finger to, it's going to be that. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think that it's that big of a problem for them. They're still, in my opinion, the most talented team in that group. And I'm just going to stick by my pick of them and Leipzig getting through. And man, you missing out, even though they won today. I just have a feeling that Leipzig's going to manage to pull off an upset there. And like the penalty for on Martial, I get it's a penalty. 
it seemed a little soft in my opinion and i don't like the new rule on the goalkeepers how you can't i mean it's it's a tough rule to enforce he was off the line so it's the right call but it's a hard situation yeah i mean it's i like you said right there that penalty it's just so brutal because at that point you do a big save and and then it just gets called back and then now bruno who's typically such a good penalty taker that's what he's known for i mean He's the one who will always take it for Man United because he's so good at it. You just saved him. That's your momentum, everything. And now you're handing it back, and now you're, you're in your head because now, oh, he's probably going to dive the other way, and then he just went back there. So it was definitely an advantage, Bruno, and he was going to win that after that. So tough situation. Penalty, like you said, a little bit soft, but I think they, they were going to reward it in, in long term. And I thought maybe they were going to return it with PSGs with some late pushes, but uh, I guess not. So tough situation but I don't think it's like like Jerry said I don't think it's a big concern because I think they're very talented they're going to figure it out I just think they haven't clicked uh clicked as well to start off the year which I think is the concern and well I think Miller talks a lot about the midfield which is true I think they lack a little bit of quality but I think that game no one was playing the true number nine kind of role where Mafe was playing more of a number 10 free role kind of thing when Neymar was trying to cross it in and try to create a chance and create something for who who would be the number nine and I just think Neymar and Mafe playing a uh, number 10 role at the same time kind of affected the goal scoring. That's why they brought Keen late, which it didn't work, and it was too late and things like that. So I think it, it, they, they just lack that bit, but I think they're going to fix by next time, and they'll, and they'll do very well. Well, Leipzig, they get the three points, and Manchester United, they also get the three points. They're one and two right now in Group H of the Champions League. And let's go to another team that also got the three points the other day, Barcelona. 5-1 victory over, if I can pronounce this right, Frank Varos. I, <laughs> yeah, I tried. For those for those fans that are listening, I tried. Uh, anyway, Barcelona, they get the win. Messi scores on a on a pen. Ansu Fati scores. Coutinho, Pedri, Dembele, they all were able to get on the score sheet. So, our Barcelona expert, Mr. <laughs> Edwin Perez, what do you have to say? What are your takeaways? Because uh, can Messi and Ansu Fati, could they – really become something special. I know that Fatsy hasn't gotten a whole lot of time just yet, and I think that it's fair to say that they're still developing that chemistry on the field. But, um, of course, against Ferenc Varos, they did what they had to do. But what could these two potentially be now uh, but with Messi and Fatsy? I think it could be something special. I think uh, right now this Barcelona team is young. They're, they have a lot of talent that are going to start trying to figure out how to play together. I think because they all can do well individually, like the Trincao, the Pedri of the world, the seventh-year-old Pedri. They got Fati. They got situations like that, Frankie de Jong, things like that. They got loads of talent. It's just getting them gelled together and get that starting lineup that Coleman's going to run all the time. I think that's the situation we're in right now where, you know, in a sense that um, it, they, he is figuring it out, but, I mean, he still, you know, he wants the pie. He wants things like that. So maybe uh, – in his mind, he's he's waiting for them to come and have his set lineup because I think he likes to play around the lineup a little bit. Griezmann didn't play. People are freaking out about Griezmann, and people don't realize he plays the Messi role, and obviously they're not going to hand that when Messi's there. So, you know, people need to calm down about that situation. So their all takeaway is that, you know, the, you know people are, were counting out Barcelona after their big shocking defeat and things like that, but this is going to be a good team. They're good enough to make it to the next agent. And we're, we're learning that now. It's going to be tough, you know, depending on the draw afterwards because, you know, they're a young team and, the, you know, teams with experience can beat them. But it was a big result overall. I think the big uh, storyline is going to be that red card because now PK will not be able to play against Juventus. So it's going to be interesting that. So it's time for Ronaldo Rajo 
to play in that position. I mean, he's played well in the past, but I think it's just overall a solid victory. And that's all, that's all I can say. I'm pass it off to uh, Jerry or Miller, whoever wants to talk about Barcelona. All right. Um, yeah, big win for them. It was way to turn it around. Props to them after their shocking 1-0 loss to Getafe over the weekend. I'm looking forward. I know it, it's not a powerhouse team, but Ferran Vajros, they it's mismatched. I'm interested to see how Messi and Ansu Fatsi play against Madrid on Saturday. Huge game there. I think it's going to be interesting. They do have something going. They could be a really special duo. And I'm really excited to see them go back and play at Ferran Vajos because their crowd is incredible. And they actually do have fans there. Yeah. I, I would say that this is more of like a stepladder game than anything else. Because obviously, you know, like you guys mentioned, Barcelona have a couple big games going up. They've, you know, they've got Real Madrid soon. They've got, you know, Juve and the group as well. So I think that this is one of those games that, you know, if there was a time to kind of sort of get going and get hot, this would be a good game for that. So I don't know. I, I feel like obviously this is a more limited Barca squad than ones that we've seen in the recent past and even, you know, the past in general. I feel like this is one of the more limited squads that we've seen, not a whole lot of options to go towards. So as long as Messi and Ansu Fati are playing well, I think that uh, Barcelona will be fine um, until, you know, obviously they get into the more important games that they have to play and then we'll really see what they're about. So, Well, indeed, it was a nice to see Barcelona a little gets you know gets that some of that confidence and get some of that uh, back against Frank Varos and uh, again big big games for Barcelona uh, coming up as you mentioned they got El Clasico this Saturday against Real Madrid and then on Wednesday the 28th of October they're playing Juventus uh, on the road so that should be a good one for next week but let's move on to we just alluded to them a little bit about El Clasico. Let's move on to Real Madrid, who suffered a, a bit of a shocking defeat against Shakhtar by a final score of 3-2. to two. Uh, Real Madrid, they almost pulled off the comeback victory, uh, or I shouldn't say comeback victory. The, they almost tied it 3-3 three to three at the very end, but uh, Vinicius was called for an obstruction uh, at the very end, and so they disallowed the tying goal. And so 3-2 to two, Shakhtar, with the win. So uh, for any of one of you uh, gentlemen, was this, I mean, I think the question to be asked here is, was, was a story more of how maybe impressive this Shakhtar team was because they really were very impressive in the first half or maybe just how much of a letdown Real Madrid was sort of in that first half and in the hole that they created for themselves that eventually was too much to, too much to come back from. I'll, I'll go first and then I'll push it to the, so the other two, I think for me, um, great result. You know, I truly love seeing that type of result as a Barcelona expert and fan. But uh, I mean, this Real Madrid team, they're going to suffer those type of defeats this year because I think this Real Madrid team is good. They got their talent, but they're not, you know, top of the level. We're not talking about, you know, their environmental level. We're not scared of them. You know, it's not the from a Madrid team of the past that's going to rule Champions League. I'm not saying that they're not going to do far because they have those clear players and experience that know how to win and how to, go, how, how to go far in the Champions League. But they're still not the same team. You have a Jovic whose confidence is zero at this point. He had an easy chance in front of goal, an easy header, and he, it just hit off his shoulder because 
it, that's just more of a mental mistake than his talent. Uh, Talent-wise, he can make that any day. But things like that are going to make the difference. And then Vinicius Jr., you know, he brought him on. He, he made an impact right away um, as a substitute. He got the goal and things like that. So, I mean, um, they need to play those type of players. So I think those type of players are going to, uh, you know, move the game. And they need their stars to, you know, rise up and, uh, and carry a little bit. Because, I mean, we saw last year Ramos had to carry that team so much. And so, I mean, someone else has got to have to take the torch. I don't think Ramos is going to play, uh, play that same form this year. And I think we're seeing that slowly and surely. And that's why I think they lost today. And, you know, either LRM talent, things like that, are not at that level yet. So I think that's that's what I kind of took away from, uh, from this game. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing about this game is that you can't really get nervous um, if you're a Real Madrid fan or um, – if you're a fan of another team in that group, just because of how this single game went, I think obviously, you know, Edwin touched on it a little bit, the kind of the personnel that Real Madrid and Zidane are dealing with right now. Um, obviously they're not having the best of times. Uh, they're still trying to figure out um, a good 11 that works for them consistently. So like we've talked about until they find that they're probably not going to get the results that they want. But I think that it's really interesting that we find Madrid in this place where they're kind of at an uncertain point uh, with some of the games that they play. I mean, Barcelona is kind of in that boat as well, but I think that they're a little bit better off at this moment in time. Um, but I, I think it's so interesting for champions league right now that it was such a quick turnaround from obviously the end of last season to this season now that all these teams are back and you know it's been a couple months since you know champions league uh ended after it restarted so i think that uh this is a really interesting time right now to be watching this competition because i think a lot of these teams you know some of them are more ready than others and uh teams like real madrid who had a you know a decent season last season um winning the league but, you know, not going as far as they want to in Champions League. I think Champions League is so interesting right now because it's not as uh, top tier versus bottom tier as it's been in the past. I think it's a way more competitive this year. Obviously, you have, you know, the teams like Bayern Munich and Manchester City that everybody's kind of afraid of. But outside of that, um, I think a lot of the teams go into every game saying, you know, we can beat these bigger teams because they're having problems and they know it. And, you know, th this is a game for us to be able to win. And obviously games like these kind of help propel those other teams that are also in the same state of mind. So I think that this game is more about Shakhtar taking advantage of the stage and the opportunity that they're given more than Real Madrid being a bad team, because obviously they've been a bad team for a while now and they've been, you know, kind of on the shoulders of Ramos a little bit. And uh, I think that it's just kind of a wake up call to them and hopefully they'll be better next time. Yeah, you mentioned Ramos. He wasn't playing today. I think it was COVID-related, but that's just one player they're missing. Shakhtar, on the other hand, were missing 10 players. They had 10 of their first-team players not playing. They were forced to start a 19-year-old goalkeeper who did what he had to do to get the win. I give mad props to them for that. Madrid, on the other hand, they did try and come back in it. They did get back into it. Almost came away with a draw, but at the end of the day, Shakhtar did what they had to do with who they had and got it done. Vinicius Jr., the obstruction call at the end. I'll, I'll go around the three. Was that the right call? I'll let Jerry go first. Yeah, I think it was the right call. He was in the way. He stood right in the goalkeeper's eyes. He couldn't see the ball, and he kind of moved his right leg a little, which maybe deferred it a little, in my opinion, but I think it was overall the right call.
and go check VAR, and that is offside. Correct call was made by VAR there. Obstruction. It's it. And I mean, as much as people, I think those who don't understand, you know, soccer too well, don't understand that obstruction because they're like, oh, but he was just standing there. He never played it, or he never made an impact. I mean, the, the obstruction was there, like Jerry said, so it, it is offside. So that's 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 what my bar would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna agree. I, I think it's just unfortunate because it's one of those things that's not really a factor most of the time. So a lot of people aren't used to seeing that sort of a call. Um, but at the end of the day, it is part of the rule. So I think that it, you know, they did what they are are supposed to do. So credit Shakhtar for getting the the three points, and I'm gonna let this opportunity give you guys this opportunity to maybe share one game that maybe caught your eye that we didn't mention out of these three. What was, uh, I'll start with you, uh, Miller. What was a game maybe from this week that we didn't mention so far that maybe caught your eye, the result from uh, a team that we didn't mention. Yeah. Uh, looking at all the games up and down there, there's really one game that I really, really want to talk about. Um, but I, I think it's one that kind of flew a little bit under the radar, but it's Chelsea and Sevilla that played this week in Champions League. I think that was a really uh, interesting matchup between those two teams because it, it kind of seems like they're on a bit of the same level right now. I think that it was really interesting that they tied. Um, Chelsea obviously haven't been off to the best start this season. Not saying it's been a bad start, but it's definitely not the one that they were hoping for and thought was going to happen with uh, all the players that they've acquired over this past window. So I think that uh, this is a bit of a moment to stop and, and kind of look at Chelsea closely and analyze them and say, you know, what, what are they going to try and figure out? Because obviously, you know, Sevilla is a good team and they won the Europa league last year and, and are one of the Spanish teams that's always closer to the top than the bottom. And, and I think that obviously they're a good team, but Chelsea with all the money that they've spent in the, in this transfer window, they, they should be able to go out there and have 11 players, no matter what that can compete and try to win the game against Sevilla and have a better chance at that. Because I think Chelsea are supposed to be a little bit more of a top tier club than where Sevilla is at and no disrespect. Sevilla is a good team, but at the end of the day, you got to get the points in the group. And I think that these were good points for Sevilla. This is kind of probably what they hope for. And, and uh, I think that Chelsea are going to have to pick it up a little bit if they want to be able to move on and, and get deeper into this champions league run. I, uh, there's a few games I caught my eye. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to, you know, we don't have time to go through them all. So I'm just going to say the scores that interest me the most. And I talked about the one that actually I liked a lot, but Club Bruges get that 2-1 win over Senate St. Petersburg. Miller's pick. I said, be careful about that pick. I don't know about it. And Senate did not show up there. I mean, it was, it was a pretty even game. When you look at possession shots, things like that, pretty even, but Club Bruges pulled it out. Um, you know, a guy that we really love on our show, Edwin Kama, Eduardo Camavenga got a big tie right there. I mean, you got to get a tie in those type of games. So a uh, big, big point for him. I, I know you're a little disappointed with that, Gareth. Uh, Lazio Dortmund, I mean, we're not going to talk about but they kind of dominated that game. I mean, Dortmund kind of were out, were out of it. I mean, yes, they, they had their chances. I'm not worried about Dortmund, but, I mean, 3-1 is pretty surprising, especially for a Lazio team. And then my final one I'm just going to mention is uh, Gladbach. Don't take all the games for Jerry. No, 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 no. Give him some games to talk about. Come on now. I'm not explaining it. I'm letting him, you know, if he wants to choose one of them, feel free. 
I'm just saying the games that were interesting in my eye that I'm not going to explain. You know, I'm going to give Jerry's going to get the ball as a penalty and he's going to, you know, take it. I'm just, you know, setting him up. I'm Martial who got fouled and he's Bruno Fernandez. So, and I'm just saying, watching a lot of that game was interesting. So I did my part. I'm Martial handing it off to Bruno Fernandez. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. There were some really good games this weekend, but the one that kind of stood out to me was Bayern Munich against Atletico. There was a question of how Bayern was going to return back into the Champions League. They had that shocking loss earlier in the Bundesliga season. They bounced back in complete force today. They dominated Atletico, winning 4-0. And Atletico is apparently the best team in that group apart from Bayern, so that was going to be their biggest test. And they put it aside with no trouble at all. And I think the, for me, the goal of the week came from Corentin Toliso. His strike there was incredible and just put the icing on the cake. He sure did. That was a, an incredible goal. And uh, again, just to preface, we are recording this on a, on a Wednesday. So that's why the games we say today, they happen today. Of course, this is, gonna be, this is being aired on Friday, of course. But, uh, but yeah, thank you again, guys, for uh, recapping the Champions League for us. And uh, we're going to move on now to our next topic here, and that's the Premier League. We like to talk about the Premier League on this show, don't we, Mr. Perez? And uh, we're going to recap three of the biggest games from this weekend. Let's begin with the early 4.30 in the morning matchup here in Phoenix. Everton versus Liverpool, a 2-2 draw. Mr. McHaney was up for that one uh, via the Snapchat story. I see you out there, Miller. Uh, But Everton with a 2-2 draw, a a really entertaining game uh, in that one, Uh, but also uh, a bit of a a tough one for Liverpool and the fact that Virgil van Dijk uh, being hurt. He hurt his ACE tour. I think I believe it was an ACL tear or whatnot on the challenge by uh, Pickford. But so that that's going to be sort of my first question for you, uh, gentlemen. Uh, what do you make of this uh, tackle on Van Dyke? I know it's a controversial one, but uh, who, whose side are you taking here? I'm going to let Miller go first. I mean, he woke up for it. So I think he truly deserves, deserves a shot. Absolutely. Uh, I, I snoozed through it and I watched the highlights afterward. I have no shame in saying that. So Miller, you go first. <laughs> I, I think it's a bit of kind of just an unfortunate situation to be in. Like, obviously, the positioning of, you know, the situation is tough. Um, I mean, I hate to say it either way, but, I mean, I can't really hate Pickford for what he's doing. I, I mean, you know, he's kind of in a position where, you know, you kind of have to give it 100% if you're going to go there, and he and he goes. So, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a tough situation to be in. I'm going to agree with that. Uh, I'm, I'm always going to back the English boy. You know, that's why me and Jared are good friends. We've always got to back the English. So, I am going to back Jordan Pickford here. But, I no, but realistically, tough situation. I don't think you can truly get really mad at Jordan Pickford. It wasn't super malicious, you know. Like, it's not like he went with the attempt to basically end, you know, end him for quite a while. I mean, that's that's not clearly a tackle. I don't think that's the type of player Pickford is. I mean, we, we're talking about Ramos, you know, fair enough. You know, he's that type of guy who would do that. But this is Jordan Pickford. So, you know, I'm not going to necessarily side with either of them. But I don't think, you know, you can't necessarily blame so much Pickford for that situation. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think it was just a really unfortunate incident. And Pickford, it was a hard ball coming over the top. He had to make a decision in that split second, and he decided to go for it, which I think is the right decision. It was unfortunate what happened, but I don't think he could have really done anything else. He, as a goalkeeper, you have to go after the ball with any means possible. And 
maybe a yellow card, I guess, because it was reckless, but it was offside, so it didn't matter. Well, in, in Liverpool scenario, you can understand why they're upset. This guy, yeah. one of their leaders in the in the back line, he's going to be out for what they're saying is the remainder of the year. Um, and so this leads to my next question. So now you got Joe Gomez, of course, and, and now maybe a, a Joel Matip that might have to step in there for the rest of the season. Uh, what do you? How do you move on from this if you're Liverpool, and how much does this impact their chances at, at – at repeating at a, at a, at the title. As much as uh, Miller may disagree with what I'm about to say, uh, I am going to have to say it. I, uh, I understand Miller. Feel free to come at me after what I say, but when Virgil van Dyke didn't win the ball in the or I said, it's because he has such a good D line around him. This is not a tough situation for, for Liverpool because they have such a good D line. I think their biggest miss right now, is someone like Allison, but I, we saw uh, Adrian stepped up in a big situation in the Champions League for them. So I'm not saying he's a terrible keeper, but he's not that Allison level. I think obviously Virgil is a big miss because I mean he's such a great defender and things like that. But I think they have such a good defensive line in the backs and they that they can help. And I think Gomes is not a terrible person either. I mean, I'm not saying he's a Virgil van Dyke, but I think he's a pretty good defender that can step in and do that job. And um, I'm not going to root for Liverpool to win the title, but if they win the title without Virgil van Dijk, I think it'll prove why Messi won a little bit that ball on the or, you know, just saying, you know, because Messi had to carry that team more than Virgil did. But, you know, that's a, that's a, that was a different argument, different day. So um, not the end of the world for Liverpool, in, in my opinion. And, you know, I mean, injuries happen. You just got to adapt and keep going on. Yeah, I mean, we saw today they went with Gomez and Fabinho in the back against Ajax. It worked out, kept a clean sheet. I think I think they'll be fine. I do feel that since it was Van Dyke getting hurt, there was a much bigger deal made about it than if it was a different center back. I think the only other exception would have been Harry Maguire just because he is he's talked about by the media the whole time. So I feel like those two guys, if they get hurt, it's a big deal, but... I think Liverpool will be fine. They have a strong enough defense around them, as you said, Edwin. I I don't know. I think it's really bad to say, but I think a lot of fans are kind of saying, you know, thank you. Like, <laughs> this is what we've been hoping for. So now that we have a chance to, you know, maybe be able to do something in the Premier League, which, I mean, Edwin and, you know, Jerry made good points, but I, I think that the thing is, is the way that – the wingbacks play for Liverpool. They play really far up the field and they like to play like that. So it kind of leaves the center backs out to dry. And Joe Gomez just isn't the smartest person on the planet. Uh, when he's playing, he's a very natural player, but uh, he doesn't have the organization that Van Dyke does in the back and he doesn't have the positioning. So I think that uh, there might be you know, some more opportunities here and there for teams on the counterattack to be able to score on Liverpool, which I think overall will make for more exciting games. Uh, but I think that, you know, moving Fabinho like they did today to center back gives another opportunity for Jordan Henderson to be able to play in the midfield as much as he can and, you know, get, get some production out of guys like Wijnaldum and if they want to start uh, Keita or, or just any of the other guys that they have on that team. So I, I think that, you know, obviously Liverpool is one of the deeper teams in the Premier League at the, at the mid, uh, at the midfield position as well as, you know, the center back position, because they've got quality there with Joel Matip as well. 
that's started in the Premier League. So I, I think that they'll be fine, but I think that it will make things more competitive and more exciting. And I really want to see how Liverpool respond in the next couple of games. Uh, I want to see how their defense is going to play, things like that, because they've already had a rough start to the season defensively, giving up so many goals in the Premier League. So I, I think that uh, it's just going to be really interesting to watch. It, I'd say, yeah, it definitely is going to make things uh, a lot more intriguing to see how they approach it from a, an offensive standpoint. They got Sheffield United on Saturday at noon, so Sheffield has a chance to maybe see firsthand, maybe give a, a give an early scouting report for other teams how to approach this uh, a Virgil van Dijk-less uh, Liverpool defense. But we move on to another really entertaining game from last weekend in Tottenham versus West Ham, a 3-3 draw high scoring and the story was West Ham scoring three goals in the last 10 minutes of, uh, of, um, of, of, the, of regular time to come back and tie it in Manuel Anzini with the, with the long shot at the very end, the banger, you can call it however you want, but it was an unbelievable strike, had the shirt off, had the whole celebration and the whole West Ham bench going crazy. But I want you guys to, I know everyone's going to think of it from a West Ham standpoint, but for maybe the others, or if Edmund wants to take this charge as well, think of it from a, a, a Jose Mourinho standpoint. Let's just, let's think of it for a second here. What do you think this man is telling his players after such a, a late game collapse like that in the final 10 minutes? What do you think this man is saying to his guys? Emmanuel Asini, what a <laughs> you got to celebrate what a goal that was come on his annual goal of the year for West Ham he always, he always gets one and I guess he used it early versus Tottenham so truly great to see that but if I'm out to put my shoes in Jose Mourinho I watched all or nothing two times now so I think I, I know the the Jose way and uh, we're a big fan of that show uh, on the show so uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna act like Mourinho said uh, lazy yes no defense <laughs> yes what's happening boys that's that's literally the jose way he's gonna he's gonna get frustrated and he's gonna say boys no 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 time to point fingers no 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 time no time and things like that because that's that's just the way he's gonna think yes it's a collapse and, and truly you know he's gonna point fingers at players but he can also point fingers at himself i think he, um, he wasn't cautious about the lead and, you know, in the Premier League, no lead is safe, you know, and that's something you, you learn. And even with a team like West Ham, where people, you know, the favorite, the uh, I think the line was one goal favorite to Tottenham. That's why I picked West Ham. They drew, you know, I, if, if we're looking at the betting odds in that scenario, I think I won that one. So that's all I'm going to say as I pass it off the, to the to other two, you know, maybe Jerry, you know, Jerry, um. You know, I know Miller watches the show, so you can finish off. But, Jerry, you know, if you were in Jose's shoes, what would you be saying? I mean, I, you kind of covered some of it. But, like, they don't have time to sit around and wait. This happens. you got to put it behind yourself. They have three games in the next seven days, two Europa games, and then Burnley on Sunday, I believe, or Burnley on Monday. So they have no time to wait. It was unfortunate. Bale making his return to Tottenham. Had a chance in the end. Slipped, fell, didn't get a shot on. And I'm sure all the bubbles are being blown that night in, in West Ham's land. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that this is definitely a hard one to swallow if you're Spurs because, you know, you're, th you're up 3-0 at halftime. Um, I mean, you saw what Real Madrid even did today. 
against Shakhtar. Uh, obviously, they were down 3-0, and they couldn't even complete the comeback. Uh, and it's Real Madrid that we're talking about here. Uh, but West Ham, I mean, I got to give it to them. Miller, for, Miller, just to cut you off a little bit, wouldn't you, you say that's just how talented West Ham is with Suchek, Lanzini off the bench? I mean, fair. They've Edwin, you know, West Ham have some really good players. They've got really quality depth in the midfield. And there's, you know, there's some absolute guys on that team. But uh, the, the biggest thing I think here uh, is, you know, Tottenham have, have been another one of those teams that they just haven't been consistent in their style of play and the, I guess, the kind of tone of their play because you know there's times where they look like they want to kill the competition you know they have these halves where they go up three zero or they score two goals a half and they look like you know they have the killing touch that day and then you know the next day or even today or not today but uh when they played the last game against West Ham they had a second half that was so bad uh and the way that they weren't able to retain the ball they weren't able to make good passes and control the flow of the game like they should be able to as a top club that they end up letting three goals somehow uh, come in and just kind of ruin their chances. So I, I think that this is a game that you can point to more than any to kind of set the tone for Tottenham season now. And if there's a reason that they're not going to be able to make top four this season, I think would be the reason that they have an inconsistent tone about the way that they play. It's like when I play uh, FIFA Ultimate Team, you know, sometimes the, the one goal is just I, I hold a one goal lead better than a three goal lead at times. You know, I, I hate to bring out that reference, but that's I think perfectly resembles what you guys were making your points there as corny as it sounds. But I think it, it stays true at the same time. I know everyone's shaking his head, but you know what? I shake your head. I, I, you, I shake my own head when you make those points. And you know what? Reversal of roles out here, all right, buddy. You take my head. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm getting the, I'm getting the pronouns mixed up here. I mean, you know this what? is COVID. This is COVID times. We can't be near each other, six feet apart. You know, that's why we're all on Zoom right now, and that's why we're not in the studio. Exactly. This is why we they call it Zoom University for a reason, as Miller McKinney likes to say at times. Uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, as we we go on to our final game, Leeds United versus Wolves. And uh, we're going to let Jerry speak here first. Leeds United is his team, of course. Uh, but Wolves getting the 1-0 victory. Uh, call it lucky, but they, they get the goal. It was uh, a Raul Jimenez with the shot. And then the header at the in the box and it led the deflection. It went in. You can you can call it whatever you want. But Wolves they get the three points at the end of the day and they are now sixth in the table with nine points. And uh, meanwhile, Leeds United they're still very competitive in their mid table and tenth right now with seven points. But uh, Jerry, I'm gonna let you take the floor first. Uh, five games in right now. I know you guys didn't weren't able to take the win on Monday against Wolves, but five games in mid table so far. Uh, what are your thoughts right now on on your team? Mid table mediocrity is perfectly fine with me. I'd much rather be there than fighting a relegation battle. And talk about trial of fire. Opening day at Anfield, I. I thought we were going to lose 3-0. Came out, gave up a goal quickly, a little worried. Then Bamford came back, scored. Her net, or I can't remember who else scored that day, but it, we played great. I'm really impressed with how we played. Almost threw it away against Fulham, but held on. And then Man City, 
we managed to draw out there after being absolutely dominated the first 20 minutes. And then the Wolves game on Monday, we controlled the first half. The Wolves had a chance. They scored it, was offside. Second half, Leeds was asleep. Wolves ran all over and deserved the goal, got it deservingly, ended up winning, and we move on to Aston Villa, which won't be an easy game on Friday because they're on fire also. Exactly. I think the points there he makes are true. I mean, I think Leeds, they got unlucky in the way that the goal happened. You know, I, you know, maybe I do agree that Wolverhampton kind of deserved to go on that second half. And that's why it happened. But I think they were unlucky in the way because, you know, the boy 23 always remembered the name Calvin Phillips, you know, tough header, tough situation right there. So, I mean, you can't really blame him. I mean, he's just doing his job. He's trying to clear it off. So, I mean, you can't really blame him. Wolverhampton got very lucky. Trey came on late, and he didn't even make an impact. That's how good that defense of Leeds is, even with all the injuries. So that's all I'm saying. Marcelo, genius. Calvin Phillips is going to be gone for a bit. It's going to make it tough on the team. But all I'm saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to make, you know, some bold picks, but, you know, three points away from Liverpool in third is not looking too bad right now, the way that they're playing. Oh, so no. That's, all, here. that's all, all, all I'm saying. Marcelo is a, a genius in what he does. So that's all I'm there's saying. A, there's a lot of games left, though, so let's, let's not get carried away too soon. We've that's what I. That's what I say. That's what Miller says too. When we we have to we have to keep this man Edwin's his his picks under control, his bold picks, which he's gonna have more of them this weekend, I'm sure. Um, but again, that was our our Premier League recap, and uh, we now move on to a huge another bombshell from this past week, the Euro- European Super League. That's what they're calling it. There are reports out there, uh, Sky Sports being one of the notable outlets that reported on this, that more than a dozen clubs from all the main five European leagues are in talks of becoming the founding members of this Super League that is uh, apparently been supported by FIFA. Uh, Liverpool and Manchester United, they're two of the teams that are rumored to be leaders in this proposal. Uh, there's a supposed cost that this could be up to $6 billion to fund it with up to 18 teams in this league. Uh, other proposals include a, a home and away midweek fixtures of up to 34 match days. And uh, it would basically kind of take over that Champions League slot in the fall uh, during the midweek, Tuesday and Wednesdays, and that it could start as early as 2022. So those were some of the details of this really enticing. It was a really intriguing article of what could be uh, all the great, all the big powerhouses from all the five leagues coming together to form this big super league. So gentlemen, uh, your takeaways from this league, maybe first one question is, do you think this could actually happen? That's, I think the, another, uh, the, of course, the obvious question. And then number two, I mean, if it were to happen, uh, could it be a better entertaining spectacle than what the Champions League already has right now? And uh, because the UEFA, uh, that federation, of course, has been strongly opposed to so far these proposals. But any of those two? No. Uh, I mean, I think when you look at this setup, you're basically asking a La Liga team like Real Madrid to play close to 80 games in a game in a soccer calendar year. You tell me how they're going to do that with international break and situations. That does not even include the domestic clubs and things like that. Because, I mean, this is not only changed like that. They, they're going to uh, change their dynamic of the obviously Champions League, but also the domestic clubs in that schedule, the international break schedule, the league schedule. You're asking for a lot. 
Yes, from a business side, it looks good. I mean, I think any of us would be down to see a Barcelona matchup with, a, you know, like a Liverpool twice a year, you know, that kind of scenario. Things like that in a great league. I mean, I do it on FIFA sometimes because, you know, it's not realistic. It's just not realistic. I mean, I think it's a it's a proposal and it may, you know, you know why it, it may work is because the financial side looks good. You know, a lot of these rooms are coming from the financial people and things like that. But from soccer point of view it's just not realistic like the mls and the liga mx merger we talked about earlier i would love to see it but it's just not realistic like unless they you know start eliminating teams limiting schedules and things like that it's just not realistic right now so i mean i i truly would enjoy it but i mean the people that are supportive are like the main guys the those people you know always looking for that money always looking for that revenue and i think that would bring it but i don't think this is a scenario to do it and and just, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of it either. And I think FIFA, they're not, they didn't say that they're 100% for it, but they're not against it. So they're in the middle because their relationship with the UEFA is not 100%. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're willing to look at options, but if FIFA's against it, which they might be at the end of the day, then they have a lot of rule and regulation over that and players. So there will be trouble. So uh, it's just, it's just not possible in my eyes. Yeah, I, I am completely against it. If, if you, what's the point in having a league where you get your Champions League berths if you play get fourth place and now it's nothing? There's no Champions League for you. I don't see it as a good enough replacement. And if you do want, Edwin, you mentioned the Barcelona. It'd be awesome seeing Barcelona, Liverpool twice a year. Let's see them both get to the knockout stage and then we get them twice a year or in the group stage even like Juve, Liverpool, we get that or Juve, Barca this year, we get that twice. There was a quote, there was a sign, a banner at one of the games either today or yesterday I saw that said it was made by the poor, stolen by the rich. So it's just these big clubs looking for even more money. And I kind of find it convenient for the big six in England, especially Man U and Liverpool recently, that all of a sudden there's kind of these smaller guys, Wolves last year, Sheffield last year, Aston Villa this year, Leicester a few years ago. I'd like to throw Leeds in hopefully, but they're kind of starting to push the boundaries and kind of starting to contend more. And it's not just your traditional big six at the top. And I think they're scared of that a little. They don't, they, I don't know if scared is the right word, but they're a little worried that all the income isn't going to be going to them and they're not going to be as successful because we saw that they, the big six tried to have their own getting more control of the Premier League and all soccer in England. I think Jerry makes a good point. And, and the fact that you, you have to think about the teams that, you know, aren't named brand like, like everyone else. So obviously you would have this league of 18 teams, but it would be, you know, the 18 most popular teams in the world. And so you, you can't go into a champions league setting and have, you know, uh, the teams that played well domestically and earn their spot to get there. That's true. And, and that also takes away from the significance of let's say Leicester winning the premier league when they did a couple of years ago, or, or you know, they Ajax making it so far in Champions League like stories like that and the teams like that like Monaco with Mbappe and Bernardo Silva and, and the teams that you know are kind of on you know pushing the boundaries and, and rising with a lot of young talent I think that that it kind of ruins the opportunity for them to be able to be marketable and things like that so I, I mean I think it could work but I think that it would be a terrible idea in the sense that uh, it would become too solely focused and 
there just wouldn't be a point in the other teams playing unless you, you know, were a, a hometown fan of the team and that's what you grew up watching forever because, you know, you want to watch the really good games and you want to like the really good players. So I think that it would kind of ruin uh, the soccer culture and, and the kind of way that we've kind of built it to be set up as, you know, different leagues and systems and, and tournaments. So I think that it would kind of ruin everything that we've built towards and kind of starting over again in a worse way. And I think this brings up a, a good follow-up question I have is I think the UEFA, the Champions League has been running for, for quite some time. And I think that there've been a lot of rumors and there've been previous projects that have tried to maybe, I guess, overthrow the Champions League in a way to try and create some, some another entertainment value. But I mean, I would, for any three of you, do you think that the Champions League right now is already a good, uh, a good competition for this type of way? That like how it already is existing, it's already a good system, or do you think there are ways that they could make it more entertaining or or marketable, or say, as you guys had sort of alluded to? Do you think the system's already good enough, or could they do more to maybe make it more entertaining to perhaps a casual fan? I think from a casual fan perspective, you enjoy it. It's those matchups that you you never get to see. I mean, oh, um, Ajax would never play, you know, the Liverpools of the world and, you know, a typical league and things like that. But we get to see those matches. We get to see they, – they the Champions League has brought so many great moments, so many things that we're going to remember for years and years to come because of how inter- entertaining it is and the setup is and things like that. I think it's a spectacle and everyone wants to win that trophy. You know, Messi really wants to win it so bad for a reason, things like that. Like the players truly enjoy the tournament. I think we're not in the point where players are kind of complaining. And I think that's something that tells a lot about the Champions League in the way. My complaint about the Champions League is more about CBS All Access and me having to pay money to watch the games. I mean, that's that's truly the the downfall of this whole situation in the Champions League. I mean, that's my, my true complaint about it, if, if I'm going to be real. But that's coming from a casual football fan. But other than that, I, I think I truly enjoy it. Because, I mean, Man United versus PSG, we get to see that. I mean, a, a lot of people expect PSG to win. We saw Man United pull it out, things like that. I mean, we wouldn't see that in a regular day. I mean, and the things like that are not going to happen with without the Champions League. And I don't think any other setup can, you know, live up to that. Even the Europa League. I mean, Europa League is technically supposed to be kind of like the Champions League. But even lower team than I should be interesting, but it's not as watched and maybe not as talked about. But it's real. It's a good tournament, but it can't reach that Champions League spot because of how prestigious uh, Champions League is and the teams that are on, in it. Obviously, you know because you're really different. I mean, even I mean the U.S. I don't know if you guys know it's the Concacaf Champions League. That's what they call it, and I think I mean it's because the Champions League is so good that they try to replicate it in the U.S. Clearly, they're not going to work because it's U.S. and Liga MX teams, but things like that. So I, I just, I think I truly enjoy the format, at least me personally. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's been solid enough so far. And like, from a fan point of view, if you're a team, if you follow a team like Fener, Ferran Bajos, you get so much excitement going and seeing a team like Barcelona come to your small, come to Hungary, play them. You get the excitement of that. You get on the other side, you got to go. And I know there's no fans this year, but historically you got to go to countries and see your team play at stadiums that you never thought you'd be going to, like Camp Nou, the Bernabeu, Anfield, all these big stadiums that you got to go see a, your team go and play against. So I think it's great for a fan's point of view. Camp maybe could be done better, but so far I don't see any issues with it. Well, that's um, the European oh, – I'm sorry. No, no, I just want to say one thing. Uh, no, no, I just want to say, finish off one thing. Uh, they ruined the World Cup. That's the one tournament they ruined. They made it more inclusive. That's just 
I mean, it's prestigious for a reason, you know, it's, it's that. So that's the one tournament we got to be talking about. That's yeah, no, cool. no way there should be 48 teams in the World Cup. It's definitely not. It's truly disappointing. That's that we're going to be talking about World Cup later on uh, throughout the year for sure as the qualifiers start to get more into the swing of things. But now we move on to one of our final segments as we start to get into the home stretch of this show. We're going to evaluate the future of England of the England national team. Of course, we got Jerry Walker, who's an expert on England football and uh, the national team itself. So, uh, Jerry, I think this is tailor made because this is. Uh, an England team that had a real great run in the World Cup, making it all the way to the semifinals, only to, to lose to Croatia in that game. And so now you have some new pieces to the roster. And, uh, of course, it would have been nice to see them play out here in 2020 if the all the calendar had gone to plan. But, of course, the pandemic hit, so now it got postponed a year back to UEFA Euros 2021. And then the World Cup, that will be happening the very next year. So, Jerry, it's a broad question, but I think you can play a lot with it. What are Can you just evaluate this team's chances for the competitions, the, ma- the major international competitions ahead and beyond for this team? Well, if you watch the Denmark game, it was terrible. We, England played it absolutely atrociously. Harry Maguire did two bonehead tackles and got him sent off early. No creativity in the midfield. My humble opinion, I think we need to start Grealish. It, what, what, whatever's happening in the midfield isn't working. So Grealish has shown that he has the stuff to play at the top level at Aston Villa. He's been dominant there. I personally like Calvin Phillips. I think he should start over Declan Rice. That would, because I, and then I feel him and Grealish would work out well together. But that's really our biggest issue is that midfield into the defense. I, I just don't think we're deep enough defensively. You have Dyer, Walker, Cody, Gomez, and Maguire, but like none of those are really super world players. Because you move up Alexander Arnold, he's tending to play on the wing, and he goes up and down. Trippier on the other side. But looking into Euros, I don't think we're necessarily the favorite. I think we should be one of the, I have been as like a top four team with France being my clear favorite and then Belgium and Portugal behind them. But should be interesting to see where this team goes. A lot of potential up front, Sancho, Kane, strong attack, weak defense. And I want to see Nick Pope in goal instead of Pickford. I know Edwin is a, is a huge supporter though of England. And I think Edwin, you, you want to reaffirm your, your position again. Yeah, you want me to? Euros, it's coming home. It's coming home. I know, I know Jerry's probably a realistic fan, but I truly love to tell them they have. I think the big thing is what Jerry's saying. They got to figure out who to play where, and I think they got enough time to figure that out. I think some of the players are going to pick up their form by the end of the season, you know, like the Maguire of the world. I think by the end of the season, he's going to be one of those defenders we're talking about. Well, wow, what a season he had. And then, bang, he's moving on to the international where he can even elevate that game and things like that. So I think they have so much options, so much talent to elevate them. And I think they're they're going to be like a Portugal team that you just can't get rid of. You know, it's a team that, you know, that last year was everyone's like, oh, they're going to get eliminated. Oh, they're going to get eliminated, things like that. It's like even in the World Cup that they'd done it before. We thought England was going to keep going out and the, and the joke, oh, it's coming home. Oh, no, it's just a joke. But they kept going. And I'm going to say this Euros, you know, this, uh, I mean, if a Euro team, Portugal, can win with Ronaldo off the field and Eder got the goal, 
this England team is so talented. They do exactly that. So it is coming home, as they say in the Euros. But I don't think World Cup. You know, World Cup, I think, is too ambitious. It seems like Brazil. But Euros, I could give them. Yeah, and I mean, we broke our penalty curse. So hopefully that's good moving forward. We now move on to our other segment. We get into the home stretch here. We got our Miller time segment here where Mr. McKaney, he's going to evaluate and uh, lay down some, some parlays, some bets, whatever you want to call it. Look, I'm not into the gambling lingo. I'll be real with you all, but uh, Miller, what, what games this weekend should we be looking at? Okay. I'll, uh, I'll kind of take you through some of the games that I want to look at uh, through the next week, including champions league and uh, Europa league as well. Uh, kind of within the next eight days, and then I'm going to end it off with, with a really good line that I really like a lot. So uh, the first game, obviously, is going to be the, the matchup that's been talked about uh, since the drawing day for Champions League. Uh, Juventus and Barca are playing each other uh, in the next 10 days, and Juventus right now are the favorites. Um, they did win their uh, – both teams won their first games. Uh, Alvaro Morata kind of stepped in for Cristiano Ronaldo's absence uh, due to COVID reasons. So I think that that would be a really interesting game for people to bet on just kind of either side, Messi-Ronaldo sort of a thing. If Ronaldo does get to play, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there because that will have to be something that's dealt with closer to the date. Um, but Juve is favored to win the game right now. Barcelona looked really good to, uh, you know, for this first matchup of Champions League, obviously, you know, they're not playing the greatest team in the world, but uh, they do look all right. So I think that that'll be an interesting game to bet on either way. Another game uh, that I think is really intriguing is this weekend in the Premier League. Everton are playing Southampton and Everton are plus odds and they haven't, uh, you know, they haven't proper lost the game in a while. So I think that that team's obviously clicking. And uh, right now they're in top four for the Premier League. And until somebody can show me that they, they can beat Everton, I wouldn't start betting against them anytime soon. Um, I think that uh, the last game that I want to kind of go into is going to be in the Europa League before I get to my really big uh, line here is Arsenal is playing SK Rapid Vienna and Arsenal is minus 170. That's a really favorable line for Arsenal, especially because this this should be a team that they beat easily. Uh, kind of like how I talked about Barcelona won uh, their game in the Champions League. I think this is a simpler, uh, similar matchup to that and Arsenal are minus 170. So you can still make a lot of money there. And the last thing that I want to go over really quick is our own show host, Gareth Kwok, now has a live bet on him, uh, whether or not he'll be watching three games of soccer within the next 10 days. Um, it's a pretty risky line. Um, I, I could, you could probably bank on two, but you just never know about the third or the fourth. So uh, that's going to be plus 135. Edwin's already told me that he is all in on this bet. <laughs> for the under of three games. So uh, if you guys want to make some money that way, no, I'm just kidding. We're not a casino, but we'll definitely update you on how that bet goes after this week. Uh, you know, I'm, I think I'm an insider source when it comes to that line. It's truly a line I enjoy personally. Mm -hmm. um, this Garrett Clock man in question here is busy this weekend, as my insider sources tell me. So he may, he may not enjoy any of those games. And uh, 
I think he's going to have a tough week ahead of him, you know, living with him. I don't think he's going to have the time. So I would bet the under, like Miller said. So it's a big bet right there. I'm going to have to hit the under. I'm going to say, I'm going to say one and a half game. You know, that's what I would say. That's what, that's the mark where it will be hit right there. So go go ahead. I'm putting my faith in Gareth. He's going to get at least three, watch at least three, at least parts of three. Gary, I, that's that's bold, man. I'm gonna give you the the insider source. It's gonna be probably the under, man. But uh, you gotta make some bold picks here. Well, he's it's he's making some bold picks. And uh, speaking of bold picks, Edwin, uh, I we're I guess it's a new segment as well. But we have Miller's more reasonable picks, and then we have Edwin's bold no, picks. And Edwin, I think it'd be fair to. Can we go no, over okay, the okay. results I, of your picks I, from last week? No, 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 they no, were no, bad. No, no, they no, were I'll, so I'll bad. I'll go over them Come again. on, man. The bleeds. It was a lucky uh, own goal. Shouldn't have happened. It would have been a draw push. Wouldn't have got lost my money. West Ham, they were favored. They were favored to lose by one. I would have gotten my money there if I if I bet it. Arsenal, Man City, that was a penalty on Arsenal. Far doesn't like Arsenal, so I should I should have put that in my thought process. I would have lost money there, but – VAR helped them out. So I'm back at it. Bold picks. Here we go. You know, um, you know, we're talking. I'm going to start off with the Premier League. And uh, we brought on a Leeds fan. And, I, you know, I think we did it for a reason. You know, he, he informed us very well. We talked about England and things like that. So I'm going to have to go um, Austin Villa team that's hot. They're going to be favored right now. But I'm going to have to pick Leeds to win it. That's right. You know, they're probably unfavored. But uh, Calvin Phillips not in the lineup. So that line's going to lean toward Aston Villa. But I believe in Leeds and the in the people they have backing them. So I'm going to back Leeds there. Um, yeah, I, I truly, truly do believe in them. The Liverpool game, I'm going to go to Liverpool. No Virgil van Dijk. No Ali Sun. Things like that. But they're still going to be the favorite. But I believe in Sheffield United. I believe in that team right there, right there. They're a sneaky team. They can do it. So I would, I would pick them to draw or win that game. That's right. I mean, we're going to be talking about Liverpool next week after that result. But uh, I think Jerry Jerry does like that that pick. So I'm going to let him put a little. His little... Yeah, I was I was just going to say Sheffield's due. They've had a tough start to the season after a good year last year. They're going to – I agree with that one. That's a bold take that I'll – but I'm on board with that. They're going to upset Liverpool. All right, there you go. We got. See, I have a fan. Finally, when I have a fan, we we, we actually get things going here. Um, you know, yeah, let's, let's let's wait till next week, bud. No, 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 no. Ready, people? You're right. You're gonna take your house. You're gonna take your kitchen sink. Real Madrid is struggling. Put it on Barcelona and that young team, baby. Messi is gonna show up <laughs> in El Clasico. This is the type of matchup that favors them. They are going to do well. So I would put the money on them to win that game. That's right. Messi, Pedri, Fati, it's your time to prove me right. Frankie de Jong, Longley, PK, all the all them boys, they're going to come out, show out. They're, they're ready for a Clasico. All of them are hyped for it. I think Real Madrid, you know, the Jovic is kind of scared. You know, right now he can't score a, a simple header. But, you know, Fati's not scared. You know, my boy Trinkel's not scared. Pedri, a 17-year-old, not scared. So El Clasico, Barcelona win. And my final pick, I always like to do a bold one, very bold one, and always has to deal with goals. Last time was a 0-0 result. Did not get me the goals. So, again, fairly so. Um, but I'm going to go to Stick La Liga. I'm going to go to the Cadiz versus Villarreal game. And I'm going to pick that over two goals are going to be scored in that game. 
That is right. You know, you sometimes you don't want to bet on the goals, especially in a matchup like that. But I believe in that matchup. Uh, there's a guy named Kubo, the young Japanese man who's a beast for Villarreal. So I'm going to pick the over. Unai Emery's in that team. I believe in Villarreal. So that's going to be over a two-goal game. Miller McKinney, how's your reaction to my picks this week? Man, your picks were so bad last week that I just can't trust anything <laughs> you say until results come true. So I will. Uh, they were they were on par, man. They were good. Var messed me up. Calvin Phelps messed me up. Jerry, you can back me up. Here. Maybe, we're gonna have maybe, to, maybe you got all the bad luck out last week. See, Jerry, we might have to. Team. We might have to remove Miller. I think we might have to remove this segment if he does <laughs> another poor showing. Uh, yeah next week so you know when we're giving you one last chance but you know thank you again also why is it just kubo kamavinga these are you know you're all your fifa 21 career mode players get out of here all right like we, the, we, we like the young players who believe in we the get it we, believe we get it you like career mode you like these players you like to mention them on this show that's fair we get it and uh <laughs> I, that's okay we're gonna let you have one last take here it's our usual edwin segment as we start to we can start to wrap up the show. Have a little fun, get a little loose here on this show. So, uh, Edwin Perez, what do you got for us? Welcome to the podcast, listeners. Let's be real here. Um, we are gonna do, you know, something that's very classic to the show, and you know, brought on Jerry. So we got to go back to classic is trivia. I always ask you guys trivia questions, and I I test you guys' knowledge in footy, and we got an expert in footy knowledge. I think in Jerry, so I think he'll do very well, and I I think he's gonna put Miller to the test, and so. Uh, I'm very interested to see how you how you boys do. Um, so I'm going to pull it up. And it's going to be, you know, I'll tell you the category can be some are going to be Premier League, some World Cup, you know, there's going to and there's going to be crazy trivia. So here and there, I'm going to have my scoreboard. And as Jerry's the guest, I'm going to let him go first, you know, and then, you know, if he does miss it, you, I'll give you guys the chance to steal if you do want it. But my first question to you, Jerry, you're an English boy. So I feel like we got to stick to the Premier League first. Um, you know, the hat tricks are something that, you know, are very hard to score in the Premier League. You know, it's something that, you know, it's, it's an impressive achievement. But there's one player who scored the fastest hat trick in the Premier League. What, who is that player? Ooh, I want to say Vardy, but yeah, I must just say Vardy. I don't think it's right, but. Incorrect. He did score one, he did score a hat trick quick, but not a Miller or Gareth. Do you want the steal? What is the, what is the question again? No, uh, which player scored the fastest hat trick in the Premier League? The fastest hat trick? Yeah, so like, you know, as soon as kickoff started, bang. No, and this uh, is just from all Premier League history. All Premier League. All Premier League. I do like Jerry's pick, but it's not, you know, not the answer. Man, that's tough. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Mikel Antonio. Oh, you, you know, you know me well. I would go West Ham, but it's not this time. Uh, Garrett. Just deal. Oh man, this is a stretch in all in all time history, huh? Yep. I'm gonna say Thierry Henry. Incorrect. <laughs> With two minutes and fifty six seconds in 2015, a man uh, named Sadio Mane scored <laughs> a hat trick that quick. Wow. So uh, the beast named Sadio. It's a tough question. Don't get me wrong. So sure is. Very, very tough. Uh, we're going to, you know, now we're going to go Gareth Kwok. I'm going to give you the chance first here. Which team won the first Premier League title? Oh, man. I feel like I – look, Jerry, don't judge me for my for my knowledge. Look, it's okay. You don't have to judge me on this if I give a whack answer. Uh, 
are they, it, it's called like are they called the like the Blackburn or Blackford? No, the Blackburn Blackburn Rovers? Rovers? <laughs> no, no, but I do like that no. show. I do like that. Look, I was hey, trying to be you, you showed your knowledge there. I do like that. Uh, I I Miller, tried. Jerry, uh, who, who wants to go first? Uh, whoever you know does it first, I'll, I'll let you go first. I'll go last. Okay, and Jerry. My my guess is because the Premier League is not that old. It started in 92. So, um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say Man U. Correct. <laughs> you know, they say Manchester City is red. And that <laughs> is for a reason for their dominance in the back in the day. So, Man United was the first team to do so. Um, point there I you know I was very surprised Miller didn't want to jump on it afterwards but you know I gave him a chance so just being careful that's all I respect it you know I, I truly respect it uh, I'm, I'm gonna do one more Premier League uh, Premier League question you know to round it out you know to be fair for uh, all of you uh, we're gonna go to the you know first Premier League season again how many clubs competed in the inaugural Premier League season and um, I'll let Miller go first since you guys went first the other two times I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say eight, eight teams. Ooh, that's incorrect. Uh, Jerry, you you had your hand I, up. I'm I like, know it's I know it's one of two. I'm gonna say twenty-two teams. Bingo! This is why we bring the English man on so he can dominate in the English section of the quiz. Two points to Jerry Bruno Fernandez taking the penalty shots and hits it beautifully. So we got two to zero zero. Sorry, Quack. I mean. You didn't have you didn't raise your hand or anything, so I had to give it to Jerry. Fair enough, fair enough. That is that's truly fair. Now I'm gonna go bizarre quiz questions. You know, I think Jerry has a uh, is getting that comfortable lead. So if he if you guys keep letting him uh, tap it in, it's clear clearly a winner. But I'm I'm gonna start with a very you know questionable uh, question truly. But uh, which Spanish club's nickname is Los uh, Colchoneros, which translates to English as the mattress makers? And I will go with uh, – wait, who went first last time? It was Miller, so I'm going to go Jerry. Oh, the mattress makers? <laughs> yeah, Los Colchoneros, which is the mattress makers in English. Who has that nickname? This, you said Spanish team? Spanish team. And I'm – my one clue since, you know, Miller and Gareth are behind, um, I'm just going to throw it out there for all of them. Just think of the way they play. Think of their style of play. It's, you know, just that's all I'm going to say. It's probably not right, but I'm going to say Atletico. Bingo! We got another point for my boy, Jerry Walker. Just the defensive style of theirs. That's why they call the Colchoneers the mattress makers. They sit in the back and just make mattresses. So that's why they call them the <laughs> Wow. That's the, back <laughs> that's the back story? Yeah, a little bit. There's a little more into it, but uh, I think that we're going to keep it simple because we don't have enough time to talk about that. Um, I'm going to – this one is, you know, very interesting to me. So I'm going I'm to ask the quack and I'm going to preface this for Miller and Gareth. You need these points. So you got that. We you know, we know. Here. Look, we, we're just trying to get the daily double. All right, man. The answer is this, this guy's a big superstar. So just know that I'm just saying this when I, I'm okay. So, Rangers try to sign which superstar after Alex McLeish was alerted to his ability uh, through a popular video game called football manager. I gave you a fair clue. That's all I'm going to say. Ronaldinho. Incorrect. Um, uh, you know, Jerry, you're so dominant. I got to give it to Miller first, regardless of the situation. Dude, I don't know. It's a big <laughs> superstar. I'll say it's current. You know, I'll say it's current. Current. 
Man, I don't know. Is it like it's so hard to guess? Cause I just guess any player, you know. Yeah, I know, but it's like, I could say Nicholas Bentner, and it's not gonna, you know, <laughs> no, no, like, <laughs> Lord Bentner, <laughs> big superstar right now, big superstar, Lord Bentner, big superstar right now. Uh, let me say, oh, man, I don't know. Um, throw one out, throw one out at this point. Can you give us like their like nationality? Uh, yeah. Uh, they would play in the Colombia Bowl, so they're in the South America region. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me say. I'll just say Messi. There we go. Bingo. That's what I said. Hey, hey, hey! That was a big hint. Whoa, whoa, whoa! There. <laughs> whoa there. A con- Alex Trebek <laughs> doesn't give hints on Jeopardy. Get out of here. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Listen, you didn't ask for it. I would have given it to it's you. It's like but... this. G- it's like this G-shaped letter is in between F and H. You just say G. Like, come on now. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. But like, I see how it is. I see uh, how it Gareth, is. Gareth, if you don't get this point, you're eliminated. And then basically it's up to Jerry. And if well, you're I mean, at this point, I think I'm already eliminated. <laughs> yeah, you're basically going to be done. But yeah, <laughs> Miller, you go first. English rock star Elton John was twice the owner of which football club? Say it again. Uh, e- English rock star Elton John was the twice the owner of which football club? It's a Premier League team. Wait. They're in the Premier League right now. Uh, I don't think so. Sorry about that. I don't they're know why. Not, I'm they're not. They're not. They're not. Yeah. 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 But why am I? Why did I think they were? Yeah. No. That's that's very dumb. Yeah. They're not. Oh, I don't know, but I'm gonna just shoot one out there and say Queens Park Rangers. <laughs> oh, I do like that. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Garrett, I think Jerry knows. So I gotta give it to Garrett first. Um, let's go with. They're not in Premier League. They're in Championship. Stoke City. <laughs> uh, the Crouch. I like the Crouch guess, but not correct. Uh, Jerry, can you tell them? Watford? That is the Watford. Oh, man. I don't know why I said they're in Premier League. I just flubbed there. But, uh, I relegated last season. Yeah, sir. I don't know why I did that. In my head, I guess Aston Villa was the one that I got relegated, but that was obviously very wrong. Almost uh, West Ham. <laughs> hey, listen, calm down. We almost got relegated. Uh, clearly, Jerry got the win, so he's got first place. I'm just getting, you know, for second place at this point. Between you two, whoever gets this right, you know, ends it. You know, but, okay. but between All you right, two, last question here. Last, last question. question here. Jerry got the win. Clearly dominated you guys. Clearly showed up. He is Bayern Munich. You guys are Barcelona last year. Oh, but, relax. Uh, relax. What, a, what, a, what a metaphor. <laughs> That's your own team you're talking about there. Come on. Miller, hey, we, better have, Miller we better demand a, a loan out here real soon <laughs> from the managers. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, I mean, this is – Coutinho styles. This, this, this might be hard in the sense, but I've mentioned it before, and I've mentioned it to Quark. Uh, oh. Like, Jared, do you want to ask your question? Never mind. I'm going to let Jared I mean, ask this question. I do have a question. Like, who was the last team to win the English League before the Premier League started? Oh, man. Asking the hard-hitting questions out here. Might as well. Y'all might as well become professors at this point. Y'all got PhDs. Um, hmm. Gareth, your brain is doing overtime right now, <laughs> dude. <laughs> you know me, United. No. No, listen. Okay, I don't. I'm, listen, all I'm going to say, whoever raises their hand first, think about 
the person who asked the question is oh lee, lee. Yeah. there we go there you go think about the person right. that asked it. there's a reason why they asked it to play club yeah you know gareth you did get one point See, this is why i host the show out here okay <laughs> look uh, i didn't i didn't connect the dots you know sometimes the little kitty books where you connect the dots you know i was the kid that just didn't didn't connect them you know i was a little slow to the game i'm sorry um as uh, i checked for you know, you both Miller and Gareth were on one point, but uh, you did guess first, so I'm gonna give the point to Miller. So Miller, you got second place. Uh, Jerry got first place. Gareth, ooh, who will get the third place? And okay, just relegate, re relegate me already to uh, <laughs> relegate me to another soccer show. It's okay. We won't so, say well, their names, but so um, props to Jerry. I mean, I think I, this is why I brought him on. I mean, he's he's a he's a genius in the in the game, so that's why. We brought him on to DTV. He sure is. And uh, I know we're, we're running out of time. So very quickly, gentlemen, I don't know, one or two sentences, your final thoughts. Uh, Leeds are going to finish top five in the league. Watch Calvin Phillips. Watch the name. <laughs> Hot take. I like it. MOT, marching on together. Come on, Leeds. A lot of big games coming up this week. It's going to be exciting. A lot to watch. All I have to say is after United played PSG, Aaron Wan-Bissaka went home with four things, his wallet, his keys, and both Mbappe and Neymar in his pockets. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of Dissecting the Pitch. Thank you again uh, to Jerry for, uh, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, we will be back here next week, same time and uh, same platform. Listen to us on Apple podcast as well as on spotify but for my co-host edwin perez and miller mckinney and our guest jerry walker i'm gareth kwok saying so long and uh, we will see you all next time